This is Broadcasting in Black and White. I am Joe Messiri, as always. In just a little bit, we will be joined by my partner and co-host, Kenton Young. But for those of you who may be listening to this podcast for the first time, I wanted to let you know that we started this to try and figure out where the broadcasting industry might be going. And we do that by talking to people on the cutting edge, reporters, directors, actors, producers, you name it, anybody who's pushing the envelope to figure out where the future is headed for broadcasting. And to that end, our guest in this episode of the podcast is Wayne Friedman. Wayne is a reporter for KGO, an ABC affiliate out in the Bay Area, and he has been pushing the envelope in broadcasting for decades. He won so many Emmy Awards that he decided to retire and give other people a chance to take home some trophies, and he is also the author of It Takes More Than Good Looks to Succeed at Television News Reporting. It's a book that has inspired me throughout my career that I've gone back to several times when I felt stale or just needed a little bit of inspiration to tell those stories because it can be a grind day in and day out. Now, this is part two of our conversation with Wayne, so we jump right in the middle of the conversation here, and Wayne is sharing with us the two most important words that every reporter needs to ask when covering a story. So feel free to jump right in in the middle of the conversation here, or you can go back to the previous episode and listen to part one first. Doesn't matter, you choose your own adventure here. So without any further ado, here is part two of our conversation with Wayne Friedman. Thanks for listening. you can start with what's happening, you can tell a narrative on anything, and you can make people care, help them care anyway. You can find that universal appeal. What's happening? You're in an empty room. They never showed up. The doorknob never moved. The clock never ticked. The clock never stopped ticking. See what I'm getting at? Yeah, absolutely. Even when there's nothing happening. It may be an ordinary crime story, but it's a big story to somebody. It could have been you. You know, it could have been the guy next door. It was just a car wreck. Well, you know, you've got to make that car wreck relevant in, in, a, in a way that, that people get. That doesn't mean always developing a main character, you know? I mean, you can think there are a million ways to do it. Look, if an asteroid is coming to Earth, okay, you, you don't say the main character is the viewer. It's not, well, Joe Blow didn't know about the asteroid when we were talking to him in the barber shop today. He has, you know, you don't do that. Then the main character is the viewers. So you got to make that distinction in your mind. How are you going to tell the story? Is it about them, the viewer? Is it about the person in the story that the viewer can relate to? What's happening? What's going on right now? What's happening? Maybe the most two important words to telling a story on television anywhere. Because if you go there, again, you get a narrative. How's that for a digression? What was the question again? That's fantastic. No, that that is fantastic. Uh, you shut me up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just gave us the two most important words to uh, to to writing a, a story for TV news. So, what's happening? Yeah, what's happening? So what? that's that's fantastic. Um, what's, happening? what's happening? What does it mean? Who does it affect? And why? If you can get to the why. So, and you've got 
How do you think social media plays into that then for you? I mean, because what's happening literally, especially when it comes to something like Twitter, that is what's happening. <laughs> not what I thought, <laughs> not what I was expecting is a response there. Oh, Twitter. Um, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> I mean, I've seen your, I've seen your Twitter feed. Like you said, there's a picture on every post that you put up there. You use it quite often. So people have given me credit for, for presenting what they call the Twitter narrative which is a series of photographs, like 140 characters at a time, I will tell you a story. Sometimes I use Twitter as a note. I'll go back over my Twitter feed for the course of the day. I take my notes. Sometimes I literally, I take my, I'm at a press conference, I take my notes on Twitter and tweet. And then I go back at the end of the day. And yeah, there are a lot of still photographs. Maybe once or twice a day, I'll take these pictures and I'll post six or seven in a row. And they're like those signs on the highway when you're going down the road saying, are you hungry? That's what said. Black chocolate? We know the best shake in town. Next, uh, next sign. It's two miles down the road. Next sign. Can you wait? You know? So, yeah. Uh, I just use Twitter as a vehicle to show my photographs, try to engage viewers. Um, Twitter's really interesting. There are Twitter followers, there's Twitter followings. Every so often, the reporters give away. The, Back to the story on Twitter. There's a whole sideline on Twitter in terms of um, the difference between the way we cover news and now. What I mean, Twitter is. I, I don't work for Twitter. Twitter doesn't pay us advertising, but Twitter is very important to my bosses. Uh, I believe because they establish a presence and and they allow us to stake a claim on stories and material. And if enough people follow you, they'll watch the newscast at the end of the day. But my station says we report on Twitter, so I report. On Twitter. But what's most interesting here is that, you know, I've been doing this business for a long time, and in the old days, we had secrets, right? Mm-hmm. We, had, we kept it to ourselves. We talked in code on the two-way radio. We would talk about the other channels like Brand X and Brand Y. We didn't want them to know the information that we had, and we'd spring it on the viewers at the end of the day. Well, now, they want that stuff out as soon as possible. We're giving away all of our stuff. Got a great story for the 5 o'clock news. Nobody else is there. Tell the viewers at 2 o'clock. And at 2.30, the other stations roll up. Let me ask you something, Wayne. Do you feel social media outlets like Twitter are pulling viewers away from television? I'm not qualified to answer that question. (laughs) All I know is that my bosses want me to do it, so I do it. I know that it's very distracting. Distracting Um, for you or distracting for the viewer? I mean, the times I could be making another phone call on a story or trying to get one more contact or going one more place, I'm sitting in the truck on social media, doing Twitter and doing Facebook because that's what my bosses want. Again, better to make your bosses happy than yourself happy. Okay? They want this. They get it. Does Twitter aid with viewers? Sometimes it does. I mean, I did a story a couple of days ago where we answered a question about a parking lot that floods over all the time and um as soon as i put that stuff up uh i said you know 
viewers knew where I was working on it. You know, you don't want to be blatant in a Twitter feed and say, hey, I'm working on such and such. See you at 5 o'clock. That's like a tease. You don't. You can't be that. You can't be that blatant on Twitter. You can't say, "Watch this story at five. It's more like we're working on this right now," and then you know a few minutes later, say, "I gotta go. I can't. Can't answer any more questions right now. I gotta get this story on for five. You answer it that way. But a good feed, a good story, you have a dialogue with viewers, and the the good part of it is they may raise questions you hadn't thought of, or give you contacts you wouldn't have. And they may help you later on, after you've done your story, and do a follow or a second or a third or a fourth piece. It's just more immediate. Right. Um, does it help? I don't know. It's just a different way of doing things. It's just another tool in the box. I can't answer the question. It, it just is. Is there, is there something, I mean, you mentioned the getting those sources or, you know, just maybe getting questions that you hadn't thought of. Um, is there a, a, do you prefer using Twitter or Facebook or any type of social media for that? Have you had more success or even just building relation, your relationship with the audience? Twitter is, Twitter is more immediate. Um, you know, Facebook is like the same people every day that come back. I mean, they know they're, they're going to get, they know what they're going to get. I, I think it's important that if you're going to do this stuff, you develop a brand at it. Uh, you know, my the brand that I've developed is is you know pretty cool still photographs. Um, I put something up a few minutes ago, you know, just on Twitter, just to to stay. I'm not working today. I'm not working for a couple more days. But I put something up there just so people would. Uh, I'm still fresh. Maybe it'll get three or four retweets. Um, yeah, it, it's it's all of those things. Okay, now who has time to sit there and be on Twitter all day? I don't know, but they're there. Hmm. No, Twitter because I got to be on Twitter. I'm on Twitter because I'm expected to broadcast and check in. You know, let me check my Twitter feed right now. To see <laughs> I think I'm kidding, right? No, I don't think you are. I think Kenton's pulling it up here as well as, as yeah, we're talking well. to each other. I tweeted, I tweeted a picture about an hour ago of a of a uh, of an abandoned hotel room. Just a photograph that uh, struck me today. That you know what? This is pretty darn interesting photo. Let's see. Were there any notifications? Yep. Two girls like my tweet. Champagne Kitty and Ann Cutler liked my tweet. <laughs> and Kitty and Good to Know retweeted my tweet. Uh, Sky Blue Dragons liked my tweet. And Four Girls is for Me Too liked my tweet. <laughs> yeah, hey. That's good. Maybe I, <laughs> oh, I lost a ball. Oh, man. I started the day with 35.30 and now I'm a... Thirty-five, twenty-seven. I'm, damn it! I'm, I'm, the struggle I'm is real. The struggle is real. Oh man! I mean, yeah. I mean, a good day and followers. What did I do? What did I say to make that person leave? I'm looking at your pictures. I have to say, you have some really cool pictures here. What do you use? Is it a cell phone I, or is this a DSLR? Nah. DSLR? <laughs> nah. nah. Okay. No, I have two cameras. I use a. Most of the time, I use a. Um, a Fujifilm XE2 with a couple of interchangeable lenses. Um, it's a very small camera, but it, it takes really good pictures, and the glass is awesome. And then the rest of the time I use, if it's a really big story, and I know we're not going to go anywhere where we're going to get robbed, which is a problem, uh, I'll bring a, a Nikon D800 with me with um, Trinity glass. And that, that stuff looks really good. The, the D800 stuff is awesome. I mean, especially if you can shoot that wide, 
two eight s that two eight f stop all the way through the you know every, any any focal length. I mean, you get some great bokeh. Is it bokeh or bokeh? I don't know what it is, but you get. I've always said bokeh. <laughs> great bokeh. You get less. You get less great bokeh on the Fuji, but the Fuji is pretty darn good in low light. All right, you brought up something there. I got to touch on. You mentioned safety and going into those you know some neighborhoods or stories perhaps, but. Um, I mean, as an MMJ here in New York, I, I really haven't had safety concerns, I guess. Maybe that's because I'm stupid or naive, but what, what I've been reading, obviously, about what's going on in Oakland, especially with some of the reporters getting attacked out there. I mean, as an MMJ, is that a regular occurrence? Does that go through your mind out there? Goes through my mind every day because they drill it. They, they want us to go out in the field. They don't want us to wear our wedding bands. Our engagement rings, they don't. They want us to have. Do we have a safe in the back of every van? Uh, they want us to carry a fake wallet and to fork the stuff over when we're when we're approached. Holy cow! Okay, um, I've been fortunate. Knock on wood again. I mean, I've been. I've, we've been told very clearly to get out of my turf and move by a guy who uh, you know you wouldn't bring home for Thanksgiving dinner. But um, did you? People have had it worse than me. When when but, a guy told you to get off his turf, did you? Yeah, and you know what was weird about that? We were right opposite a fire station, and we were still told to get off his turf. Oh. So yeah, people have lost gear. People have lost teeth. People have have. have yeah, it happens, and um, it's it's brazen and blatant. And we're on edge. And it shouldn't be that way. But it is. Can you attribute, I mean, do you think that happens in in my personal experience and and people that I've spoken with in other markets, it doesn't seem as commonplace as it's becoming in the Bay Area? Yeah, I think there's some sort of a ring. Uh, It's been, there's been a little less of it lately, although there was still an attack last week. You know, people are getting really desperate out there, man. You know, they, they don't have any money. They see camera gear. They can shoot, they get it for pennies on the dollar. They take still, still gear from still photographers. They'll take the video gear. I don't know what they're going to do with that video gear. I mean, they don't, you know, it's like, what are you going to do with a P2 card? Right. They take, they take that stuff. We don't know where it goes. But uh, I can't count the number of photographers and reporters who have been attacked. I've seen vans with glass shattered. We have, when we go into Oakland in the field, we have security guards with us. We are told that there are places we can't go when we're covering the news. Wow. You can't, okay? You cannot go there. You're not allowed to go there. we got a deadline press, and we don't have time to wait. We have to wait for security. There are people we haven't interviewed because we can't get to them because we're not allowed because we're worried about somebody attacking us. And that, that's a mandate coming down from the top, or is that your own self-preservation in your head saying, I can't go there, or where does that come from? Well, that comes from the top. Yeah. We've had meetings on it, and they've hired, I don't know what they've spent on security. At this point, the security people, many of whom are ex-cops, they're part of our team. We, we, we get along with them. You know, they're, they're one of us. Sometimes they're pretty, they're pretty good at figuring out what's happening. They know what's going on more than we do. But they, and there have been times when our security guys have um, have saved us wow. just by looking menacing. Wow. And they don't, don't carry, at least I don't think they carry. They're not supposed to carry. They say they don't carry. 
But uh, yeah, it's a little scary over there. Have you in your entire career ever had something like this to the point where it's at now? No. Uh-uh. Never. No, but I think, it's, I think it all comes along with what's the state of our business and the respect people have for it or the, the diminishing respect that people have for it. Or, or again, maybe the desperation in the world we live. You know, people just don't care anymore. They need what they need. Or they see that gear out there and they're going to take it. It's sad. It's sad all around. It's sad that we're forced to deal with this. It's sad that, that we have to deal with that stress in the course of a day. It's sad that people are so desperate that they feel they have to rob television news people. It's sad that the Oakland Police Department seems so short-staffed that they, they, can't, that they can't follow up on this stuff. It's, it's, it's a horrible situation. I mean, I, I think sometimes I think there are people in war zones who are safer than we are. And we're sitting there in a news van with no guns, no arms, no mace, uh, sitting ducks. You're just a target. Six, so they know where we're at. They come back at seven. They stake us out. They bang on the glass, take the stuff, and they run. They roll over and take it. So, and yeah, there, there are times when we have felt very unsafe. So you mentioned that that mandate comes down from the top, that sometimes right. you can't go into some places. And if that mandate wasn't there, you personally, would you, would you go? Well, I think we have a better handle on when we're safe and when we're not. Sometimes there's a blanket mandate handed down by, by folks who don't leave the building. You know, they think they know, well, look, they think they know a lot of things and sometimes they're wrong. They're not in the field we are. There have been a couple times when we have run in, run out, and grab something really fast and gone. But we are when we do it, we're on edge and we're nervous. And there have been times that I've been dressed down by, by managers saying, you can't go there, you can't do that. And okay, so we don't do it. It's just the price of doing business over there. But when that stuff came over to San Francisco, that's a different deal. I mean, this is like working, this is the equivalent of working in a convenience store now. How many times are you going to get hit? Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we order channel two. She's been hit two or three times. Wow. Let me ask some. You guys out there, do you guys all travel around in marked vehicles? Well, less marked than they used to be. Okay. But the thieves, they know, they know the gear. They also see our security folks around there, and so they're less inclined to deal with us. Got it. But they don't know whether the security people are armed or not. Some of the security people at other stations are. So we have, we have that element with us. We have a, somebody behind us. They know what the security guys look like, and we trust those security guys to take care of us. And they do a, a pretty darn good job. But it was pretty funny. I mean, there was a story, of, I don't know, six months ago, and our security guy, and I'm, I'm, my car is at one location, and the story is somewhere else, and we're going from, I got to go back to get my car. And the security guy says, I'll take you. Uh, so I'm riding with him, and he's running every light, and he's running every stop sign. Ex-cop from San Francisco. I'm saying, man, you're going to get a ticket. He goes, I'm not going to get a ticket. He says, anybody who stops at a stop sign in Oakland or a red light in Oakland is asking for trouble. Wow. He, says, do you, he says, do you really think they have time to write a ticket with all the other stuff going on out here? Wow. Right. I can't remember the last time I saw somebody pulled over for a traffic violation in Oakland. Sure, it happens. Just haven't seen it. 
It's a mean place. It's getting better. The new mayor seems to be better. You mentioned this. Sorry, go ahead. I know. I, I hope things are improving. They seem to be improving. But it was pretty bad there for a while. You mentioned the short staff police department. Was there, I mean, anything else that you see as a cause for that? Especially, I mean, the fact that it's targeting reporters, obviously the camera year. It's just the economy and the lack of. I mean, they don't, they don't know what we do. You know, they see a TV person, they think we all make a lot of money. Yeah. They, they have no idea that we got families and mortgages and, and all the other stuff to go home to like anybody else. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a long day and it's not a lot of money. Not so glorious of a of a profession. Uh, it's craft. No, it, it's glamorous for some people, but you know you can't you can't tell me that uh, rushing around like a maniac going to two or three locations and sitting in a live truck and writing scripts and being there for three and a half or four hours is glamorous. You know, to be on TV for twenty seconds to do a live shot, it's not. It's that's what the job is. You know, and we're keeping the newscast going, but and you're sitting in that van and. And um, people come up to the van all the time and they want to talk, you know, or they want to turn you on to some other story that's not relevant, or maybe they want to attack you. I mean, like every single person that walks up to that van, we look at them twice. We're a little suspect. We're suspicious. We're on edge. And it does add up. Why do you do it? Uh, well, Twitter. No. <laughs> the followers. Yes. You just, and the retweets. You just gained another follower, by the way. <laughs> I'm in it for the retweets. <laughs> Get up the boss. Um, at Wayne Friedman. <laughs> F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N. Oh, we'll put it up there. Don't worry. <laughs> um, why do I do it? I don't know. Because sometimes you do what you do. It's just what I do. You know, and I'm certainly, you know, somebody called me a celebrity today. I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a guy that happens to do what he does on TV. I like telling stories. I like writing. I like meeting people. I like interacting. I like taking pictures. I like communicating. I like having the license to ask questions. That's cool. I mean, the access that we get even now, I mean, I like giving the access to ask these questions and do these stories. And frankly, the access to go into these places with a still camera and document history in a different way than what we what we do, and that's just you know that's the stuff that goes on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, it's a, I wish I was taking still pictures longer in my career. I've only started doing it the last couple of years because it, because we are witnesses in a little corner of history, or whatever it is, and and it's a very interesting job. I mean, it beats sitting in an office, beats being a PR person, beats working in Safeway, beats working in a car wash. Beats a lot of things. It doesn't pay as well, but we're privileged. What do you think it's you'd a, be doing if you, if you weren't doing this? I don't know, man. I'd be doing it. There's something else I could do. I mean, I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. They don't it, know. Did it all else? start because your father told you to join the business? That he told you to get into news? Because Did they never you? cancel news? Um, yeah, but I didn't get into the news. It's interesting. I mean, he said, if you want to go work in television, work in the news, they'll never cancel the news. Which was very sage advice. I didn't get into, I didn't get into TV news for the love of news. 
I got into TV news for the love of TV. And, you know, but, but what's interesting is after all these years, I do really love the news and really care about it and care about the tradition of what we do and the responsibility and, and, the, and, and the public trust, even if the public doesn't trust us, even if news these days seems to be changing. I mean, I mean I'm really an old school guy. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm hanging on to the old school values. That's one of the reasons I do it. I want to show the way that it's done. And, and show people that we can still be a force for good and, and a force for change or, or for enlightenment or curiosity or, or whatever. Um, but I don't do it for ego, although my wife says I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why do she it. married you, right? <laughs> no. I don't, know why, I don't know why my wife married me. I'm just glad she did. Yeah, so you Twitter followers. Um, um, it, I'll, I'll tell you why. And this is a this is a strange answer. I mean, this is a job that you love to hate at times. So you're a masochist? No, no. I, I love the process. I love what it can be. I don't always love what it is, but I love what it can be, and I love the potential for what it can be. And I love that every so often you get that really good story, or you. Or you, you know, you're not going to change the world, but you may change a person's world. You, you can be a force for good. You can, you can do a story that helps somebody. One world. Okay? That, that may sound dumb and idealistic, but you know what? It's nice to be able to do that. I'm working on one right now. A little old lady sitting in, a, in, in Middletown, California, in a wheelchair whose house burned down. I'm trying to help her and, and get this story on the air about her. And I'm still trying to find a way to do it because it's it's been difficult. But um, yeah, look every every cynical journalist is a burned idealist. So every cynical journalist is a burned idealist. Every cynical journalist is a frustrated idealist. Like that. Okay. So you mentioned and, that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Another line for you, and I think this is true too. You show me a happy television news reporter, and I'll show you a TV news reporter who isn't very good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so true. We're all thinking here about the happiest people we know. <laughs> I mean, we always want to do more. We always want to do it better. We're always frustrated. Show me one who isn't frustrated. Maybe that's the better line. Show me a TV reporter who isn't frustrated mm. and I'll show you one who's not very good you know that was one, one thing that I, I just to share this sorry but um, I had I had somebody when I was in college I remember somebody came to talk to our class and they were talking about how the best thing about doing what they did was that they didn't they didn't have to take it home with them and I have never found that to be less true doing this than anything else I take everything home with me like my, my, my wife stresses about things from work but she doesn't take it there personally the way she just gets frustrated with her job in the office and it's literally something that weighs on you all the time well yeah yeah I mean especially earlier in your career when you're trying to get better you're gonna you know you ought to worry about every sentence every sound bite every track you could have done better you know you've you got to be a perfectionist You've got to be better than the next guy. I mean, back back when I started off in this business, I'd go back at the end of the day and I'd fix my stories just to fix them. The archive at WAVE-TV in Louisville has a whole bunch of Wayne Friedman stories from 1980 that aren't 
that are better than what aired. Because he went back at the end of the day and he fixed his mistakes so he would never repeat them again. Was there a mistake that you did repeat once or twice that you had to get out of yourself? Um, yeah, we all make mistakes. I mean, but but generally you you learn you learn by fixing your mistakes. Yeah. I, I will never, for example, I will never do a funny story about the Pope again. <laughs> I'm scared to ask. Yeah, it's in the book. It's too long a story. Catholics don't funny. Catholics don't have much of a sense of humor hey. when it comes to the Pope. Yeah. General the general rule is don't ever make a joke about politics or religion or try to be sarcastic on television because you will offend somebody. Mm-hmm. So um and all the all your bosses care about is the one person you offended. Well, because they usually they're they're pretty loud, usually that one person. They're the ones that call. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you mentioned that, you know, you've come to love the news. Is there somebody that you still watch or whose work you really appreciate right now? I like John Blackstone at CBS. He does a heck of a job. Great, great twist of the line. John's pretty good. He's an anti does general news. But he always does a really good job, and he, he always gets the essence of it and keeps it in context. He does it fast and clean and um, doesn't call attention to himself. He does a really good job. He's an older guy. He's a great writer. I mean, it's, look, there are a lot of good writers in this business, but a lot of them want to call attention to the fact that they're really good writers. They want you to know that they're really good writers. <laughs> like, I don't want to know that you're a really good writer. I don't want to even know that you wrote it. I want you to write it so well that I don't know you wrote it. You know, same thing with shooting. I know you're a good I want you to shoot it so well that I don't notice you're shooting. Edit it so well that I don't notice you're editing. Do the story so well that you notice the story, not all the work that went into it. You know the chair analogy, right? I don't know the chair analogy. You know, I do this when I stand in front of a group, inevitably. It's the idea that I'll stand in front of a group and I'll pick up a chair and I'll say, what do you see? And they go, it's a chair. And I'll say, oh, well, I'll point out the, the screws and the nuts and the bolts and the joints. and the thing. Did you see this? Well, did you see this? Did you see this? And they go, uh, no. And I said, so what, what's the point of this chair? And they say, well, it's to sit in. So I sit in the chair. I said, that's the point of a story. Not to look at all the work that went into it to get the story. Like when you go to Benihana restaurants, do you remember the meal or the chef? Personally, the meal. The performance. <laughs> <laughs> the onion it volcano. Be, it ought to be about the meal. Yeah. I mean, railroad tracks on a train. You know, if you're right. on a really good railroad track, it feels like one rail. You don't feel everything's joined together. That's what a good story ought to be. You know, it's about the story. It's not about the person writing it, not about the reporter, not about... Not about the photographer, not about the skills. It's about the viewer. I mean, we keep coming back to that again. And, you know, and look, I was guilty of, of all that stuff early on because we all want to get somewhere. We want to show how good we are. But sometimes the biggest skill is knowing you can do it and not doing it. I mean, there's an art of restraint. Trying to do too much. Trying to do too much trying to show how good you are or how smart you are or how clever you are or how quick you are or how pretty you are or how funny you are 
because because we're about branding. And you know, we all got to do that to a degree. But ultimately, it ought to be about the story. Maybe I'm just a purist, right? I'm an old school guy now. I'm not into TV stars. There's a reason my book has the name that it has. It takes more than good looks to succeed at television news. It's not about you. It's about everything else. You know? It's about... It's an ego-driven business. There's no question about it. But darn it, hide it if you can. So to the aspiring reporters that want to join this business, what do you have to say to them, Wayne? What type of, what piece of advice do you have? Well, don't expect television news to be like it is in 10 years, which means, uh, and don't expect that you're going to make a lot of money. It's, you'd better luck going to Las Vegas. <laughs> um, remember that the business is Darwinian that it conspires against you, that all the stuff you're complaining about in the small markets, everybody had to deal with it. And it's how do you get through it, learn how to do everything, expect that you're not just going to be a TV star, expect that you've got to learn to write, to shoot, to edit, to take pictures, to learn how to work the internet, how to do Twitter, to do Facebook, to multitask, to balance the plates. They're all going to come down at once and you've got to catch them. And, and, and expect to change. That um, what works today isn't going to work tomorrow. I mean, I remember the days when we used to go to lunch, right? Back at Cron, we had time to go to lunch. <laughs> and we were complaining about, oh, yeah, we were complaining about the office. And I looked at Kenny one day and I said, you know what, Kenny? These are the good old days. Hmm. Well, they were our good. And, and, the people who come in the business right now, hard as it is, these are going to be their good old days. Because it's only going to get worse. If, I, I don't. You're using the word worse. Going to get different. Going to continue to evolve. The the financial model for local television stations doing news is going to change. Um, a lot of people are going to fall by the wayside. You know, the number of channels is going to multiply unless people just get sick of it and say, "I want one source." Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and people running are always going to think that they know better and they're going to be doing it for a profit I mean my favorite news outlet right now is Vice News why? even though it's a little rough around the edges they're covering real stuff and they're off the beaten path and they're doing stuff that's relevant and, and they have a worldview. And, and they take the time to tell a story that you know, oftentimes can be compelling, which, which makes me wonder. If youth is watching Vice News, these longer segments, well, then why can't we do that in what we do now? Why won't we take that risk? Do you believe that... The inner, I mean, just the YouTube, the nature of how Vice was formed, though, plays a, a role in that. Do you think you'll see, we'll see traditional, I mean, things are moving, obviously, web to the web, but do you think that will change the model? We'll see a bounce back? I think we're always going to see people who want a newscast and digest form. They don't have time to search. They want to know what they need to know at the end of the day. That's always going to be there. But you're going to get it 
on web or from a TV station or online or over the air or whatever, that's, that's not going to go away. Uh, I just think there are going to be more options. I mean, that's, that's the deal now. I mean, there used to be three or four TV stations in the town and a couple of newspapers and maybe a radio station. Well, now you've got a million different interpretations of the news. I, I can't even predict what it's going to be. I mean, I'd, I'd like it. I know what I'd like it to be. You know, where I would love it. I would love a form of news where, you know, I get to work a long time on a story. You know, not doing two versions a day, and 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 I put together something that's a that's a, digi, a, a, a regular television news type story, with outtakes and clips on the side and further sound bites that we didn't run over the air, and a writ piece and some still photographs. And file from previous stories to give you context and history, where you do a whole package where it's all there so that as curious as you get about a story, you get the answers. And without ever leaving one location. But I don't think there's a lot of curiosity these days. It's like, okay, I heard about this, now what's the next thing? Wait, I I have to disagree with you there, though. I have to disagree because I think people get caught in black holes that interest them. You'll see somebody click on one story, and then next thing you know, it's three hours later because it was a topic that interested them. Or YouTube, I mean, YouTube videos, binge watching, like the Making a Murderer now, which is Netflix. Netflix, it's going on there, and the way people are getting in. So I think if you can catch people, or it's something that they're genuinely interested in, I think they'll go down the rabbit hole. Good, and then help them ag- then aggregate it and help them. You know, be that guide. But maybe, and maybe, but maybe what you're saying, and, and that may be true, that we're all, maybe we are all sort of becoming our own sort of journalists in a way. We're asking our own questions and finding our own answers. Well, I think the biggest problem then, though, is, is you get people who then look for the sources that can, you know, the confirmation bias. They're going to go and listen to the people who agree with them. Well, yeah. That's the scary part. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean... The, the, the important thing about what we used to do is we didn't have bias, we didn't have a point of view, or at least we had enough that, that, that we reflected all sides. You know, they go to some of these sites now and they get one side that only confirms what they want to believe. You know, that, that, that's a problem. And maybe that's why we have such you know, schisms in American society. Now with politics and everything else, people only want to hear what they want to hear. I mean, the, I mean it's, it's a fact. If you pick up the phones in a newsroom, and I'm sure you have, you know, the people who accuse you of bias usually have more bias than, than anyone else because they didn't hear what they want to hear or you reported something they don't want to hear. So they accuse you of bias or you report another side. And, and how are we going to fix that? I don't know, man. It's like maybe there's too much information. Mm. I've, I've said I, a couple times that we need, like you said, aggregate it for them, help them find that out. We need a, a Siskel and Ebert of news and information, people, somebody that you trust when it comes to doing that, I mean, is, does the New York Times still have everyone's trust? And is that the last institution? If it does, that does. <laughs> um, that's a pretty good newspaper. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to, I, th- I think ultimately you're going to find who you trust. People are going to find who they trust, who they believe in. And, and hopefully there will be a role in there for traditional news. The, 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 and then people will, will want to hear all sides. I just don't think they do these days. I mean, we're not living in a, in, in a world of critical thinkers anymore for the most part. Mm-hmm. More people know who's on... If they're more likely to name the contestants on American Idol or the Bachelorette than they are 
uh, who's running for president or who their local congressman is or their local legislators. Yeah, Do- Donald Trump has changed the who's running for president thing, but the uh, congressman for sure. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they know more about sports entertainment and who's on their team. This is, these are all great distractions. We're, we're filled, the world is filled with them. Entertainment distractions. How do you feel about how do you feel about things like like John Oliver like with last week tonight and and uh, the Daily Show then? Well, you know it's interesting. I used to really resent it. At this point, I, th- I think sometimes they do a better job of informing people what's going on than we do. The difference is it's not really news; it's more like commentary or editorial, and I'm okay with it. I, you know, name a time you haven't seen John Oliver or those guys and not learn something. Well, you can't say that about most television or sports. You actually learn something. They make you think. That's good. I think I think news is becoming like medicine in the sense that you need to take it, but unless you put a, a pill in a I don't know, some peanut butter so the kid'll swallow it, they don't they don't want to take it sometimes, people. No, that's true. I mean I you know I, these are, you know, this, this, these really are not my areas of expertise. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm floating in it, the way everybody else is floating in it. I mean, it's all changing so fast that um, how, who can, how can anybody keep up with it? I mean, how much, how much network television do you watch when you do watch television, or do you watch Netflix, or do you watch, you know, TBS, or do you watch, you know, the other stuff? I mean, I mean, we all, well, there's so many darn sources now. It's diminished the role and the importance of what we do. And, you know, that's just the way it is. It's sad. But it's, I, I mean, we can try. I don't know if they're coming back. They're going to go somewhere else, and hopefully we can meet them. I like that idea, though. Well, why not? But they're, they're, but they're, like, they're like this fan, right? Like they keep fanning out wider and wider and wider and wider. It's like trying to catch an ocean through ocean spray, trying to catch a wave through the spray. You're only going to get a few little pieces in your hand of that big, huge wave because it's going off in so many directions. So how is anybody going to monetize that? And and if it's not monetized, how are you going to do good work? This circle. I've got a lot of homework to do. Both. Oh man, Wayne. I'm not. Go ahead. Being, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not. Say that again. You broke up. You broke up a little bit. Say that again. Not being encouraging in this subject. I mean, it, look, I'm as confused about it as everybody else. I mean, I, I like. Look, it goes back to you, you only. You can only do what you know how to do. I know how to tell a story on television. That's what I know how to do. What they do with it, how it gets out, how viewers interpret it. That's beyond my control. I just want to tell a good story. And, and, and go home at the end of the day, look in the mirror and say, yeah, you did something good today. Yeah, you did a good craft today. Yeah, yeah, this wasn't the best story in the world, but you did the best job you possibly could with it today. I mean, I mean, it's a craft. You ask, why do I do it? It's a craft. It's a process. You know, after... God, 40 years, 44 years, 45 years of doing this. Let's see. However many years it is, almost, God, I don't want to think about it. 
<laughs> I mean, you get wired to do something. I'm wired to do this. I'm wired to go to work every day. I mean, you work your butts off. You work in New York City, okay? Yeah, you know, take a week off of vacation, then run back into the TV news business. It's like jumping into the open door of a moving freight train. And then you're there, and then you're relative, and you're back to the speed. But it's bruising. I mean, it's all-encompassing. It's, it's not just a way you earn a living. It is a lifestyle. You asked about people getting into business, except that it's going to be a lifestyle. However, we get this thing out. You, you can't do this half-ass. You can't go nine to five. Um, you're not going to have a normal life. Um, you're going to see a lot of cool stuff. You're not going to make as much money as the next guy. But your life is going to be more interesting. But and I would say also don't don't get in it for the money right now because I'm not sure what the money is going to be. If you want to get into this business, do it because you truly love it, because you're very curious, and because you you can't think of anything else to do, because you have to. I think on on that note, <laughs> I think that that's an encouraging place. That was good. To leave off there. Listen, Wayne, I, I, in case anybody wants to reach out to you, I mean, how do you feel about it? You wanna, you've already given your Twitter handle there. Anything on Facebook you want to give out that we can uh, have people contact you? And if, they, if they try to find me on Facebook, I'm going to steer them to the ABC7 Facebook page. Okay. And always email me at ABC. Awesome. Wayne, really, thank you so much. I mean, we, this is far longer than we, we appreciate the time. Um, so well, thank you. It was interesting and not some old guy pontificating. Why can't they be both? <laughs> hey everybody, Joe Masiri here one more time. Just really want to urge you to check out bibmedia.tv. That's B-I-B media.tv if you were interested in anything that Wayne was talking about today. There we've got some articles that you can click on to check out the trouble that reporters in the Bay Area are going through right now when it comes to being targeted. We've also got a link to Wayne's book on Amazon, so you can check that out, as well as some pictures from his Twitter feed so you can see what it looks like when he posts those pictures on a regular basis and that Twitter narration, as he calls it. Uh, really want to thank you for listening. Please check out part one if you haven't listened to that already. And feel free to let us know if there's somebody else you think we should talk to here on Broadcasting in Black and White. Until next time, tell your friends. Have a good one, guys.